Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. Please make sure you guys go and follow there. That's where we post all of our new content, podcasts, articles, different links for news and notes. Everything that we got going on on the baseball side is over at Ethos Fantasy BB. And we're on the road to 1,000 followers. Since the season started, we've gained about 250 followers on that page, which is remarkable. I really appreciate all the support over there. Go and drop a follow. You get all of our articles right when they are dropped. If you are somebody who is on Twitter regularly, that is the place to be doing it. The weather article, the weather update from Larry came out today. He posted one earlier in the week looking at the, the first few days of the week in terms of possible rainouts and different weather factors. He's posted an update today that is, of course, available in the Ethos Fantasy BB feed and at sportsethos.com if you guys are not on Twitter as much. So please go check it out and show some support for what we got going on over there. The guys have been working incredibly hard. We've been putting out daily pickup pieces. We got some buy low, sell high articles, two-star pitcher articles. Everything uh, that we are planning, that we had planned uh, before the season is coming to fruition now. Really exciting to see it all uh, come take shape here on the website. So once again, make sure you are checking us out at sportsethos.com. We're going to be doing some giveaways here too uh, on the show next week. So make sure you are listening in because there will be a, a giveaway I do next week that is exclusive to the podcast. I've been doing them over on Twitter. I've given away a couple of memberships on Twitter. Uh, I haven't done one recently. Actually, it's been a few weeks since I've done the last uh, giveaway. But I'm going to do one that is exclusively on the pod here. And we'll figure out a way. And we'll have to incorporate Twitter somehow. You guys will listen to it on the pod. And there will be some kind of trivia question or something. And then the first person who messages me uh, over on Twitter or maybe we'll do it in the review section, something like that. I want it to make this, because I know that there are a lot of people who do listen to the podcast that are not necessarily active on social media. It's just the way that it works. It's hard to carry over uh, from one medium to the next. We see that with YouTube and Twitter and the podcast and everything else. It's, it's different audiences on different sections. Uh, some people who find me on Twitter maybe uh, listen to the podcast, which I really appreciate, and some of you have let me know that that is the case. So I, I appreciate that, but there I think is also some disconnect between the Twitter audience, the podcast, audience the youtube audience so we're going to do a giveaway next week that is exclusively here on the podcast we're going to give away a fantasy pass so i'm going to give away a whole year fantasy pass so make sure you're listening in might do that one on monday uh, but let's get right into the show today we're going to go over some news and notes we're going to talk about today's starters uh, focusing in on the pitchers today uh, that have gone so far nothing really too earth shattering in terms of position players uh, that have happened in the day games on friday so we're mostly going to just focus on the pitchers 
And then we are going to talk about some two-star, or excuse me, uh, some weekend streamers, two-star pitchers. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, that'll be next Monday on the show. But let's start with the biggest piece of news from today. Justin Verlander apparently expects to be back in April. Now, when he, <clears throat> excuse me, when he first went on the IL, it was kind of concerning, of course, right? I think it was opening day, actually, when they said that he was going to be going on the IL. But he expects to come back in April. He said, I think an April return is very reasonable. We haven't put a time frame on it, but I definitely suspect that. Worst case is being stupid and re-injuring it. But I think that time frame would be a very slow build from here. I, I think... By end of April, according to, like I've said this for a while about Verlander, not just in this injury context, but in general, when he tells you something, generally it's above board. Uh, generally, you can trust that if he says he's going to be back in April, of course, like he said, there could be some kind of setback. He starts to throw the ball again. He feels more pain. It's not fully subsided, whatever. Uh, but I think we have to take him at his word that he will be back within the next couple of weeks. Now, I don't know how that time frame will work because they put him on the IL, I believe, March the 31st. March 30th, March 31st. So that 15-day time frame is going to be up in you know a week or so. I doubt he'll be back in a week, right when he is supposed to be back off the IL. If he's saying by the end of April, you have to assume that it'll probably be the last week of April. So they might have to extend him. I'm not the greatest with injury rules and how the IL works. I guess they could just carry that over and extend him another 15 days or another. I think that's how it'll work. But regardless, I think we should still see. Or maybe they just activate him and don't start him right away. That could also be a potential possibility, not that they'd want to burn a roster spot. But uh, we'll have to see what happens with Verlander, but it is very good news. This one was a little bit concerning, especially because Tristan McKenzie had the same injury a little more severely, and he's going to miss two two months, uh, probably about two months anyway. Who knows exactly? But I was concerned. Uh, my concerns have been alleviated a little bit. Obviously, uh, he doesn't want to begin a minor league assignment until he's feeling 100%. It's all good news, right? We're, all, we're getting good news. Uh, MRI showed decreased swelling. I'm guessing he'll have one start in the minors, Probably, uh, if he, I mean, if he even really needs it, uh, probably just one start. And then uh, we should see Justin Verlander back by the end of April. So if you've been trying to get by without your ace that you drafted, because odds are you drafted him, he was your number one pitcher, you shouldn't have to deal uh, without him for too much longer. This one kind of sucks, this next piece of news. Derek Hall, who was a pretty popular pickup in Philadelphia, considering he was going to have more bats with Bryce Harper being out and Reese Hoskins got hurt and he figured to be uh, getting a lot of play there at first base. And in the lineup in general in Philadelphia, he is going to, it looks like, miss the rest of the season here um, for the Phillies. Now, he said he expects to return this season, which is good, I guess. Uh, but when you hear that in the first week of the year, I expect to be back by the end of the season. Uh, he's an auto drop wherever you have him at this point. <clears throat> he's 15% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. He hadn't exactly lit the world on fire to start the year off either. Four for 18, one run, one RBI. So it shouldn't be too hard uh, to drop him. You're going to have to figure out what you're doing there, especially in deeper leagues. It might be a bit of a pain in the ass. Uh, but, you know, it's not the end of the world. Of course, if you spent a lot of fab on him in week one, because I know there were a lot of people who were throwing a bunch of their fab money. For some of you who might be unfamiliar with fab, uh, a lot of people use waiver wires. But there is also a lot of fantasy leagues that use a free agent acquisition budget where you have $1,000 or $100 or whatever your budget is for the year where you bid on free agents. Typically, this is a blind bidding process where everybody submits their claims either daily or weekly, and you find out either on Monday morning or every morning, depending on if it's, like I said, daily or weekly, uh, if you were able to successfully get your player. And I, I know some of you will be like, why the hell are you explaining that? I want to try and do that more here on the show uh, when I mention something that might not be common, you know, the most common knowledge. If I talk about ERA or home runs, yes, you guys are going to know what I'm talking about. 
not everybody is going to know uh, what FAB is. So just a, a little brief thing there. A lot of people did spend a lot of money in that first week of NFBC leagues uh, on Derek Hall and FAB. So it's going to be tough. <clears throat> but there's no point in holding on. Uh, in any kind of league format to Derek Hall at this point, he is going to have to be an auto drop, which sucks, but uh, there's just no other real move you can make there. He's not good enough where you'd hold him. We don't even know if he's going to be back this year at all. So uh, Derek Hall, pretty elementary stuff, but he is an auto drop, as is the next guy we're going to talk about here. Now, I missed this one a couple days ago, actually. Uh, it slipped through the feed. This is what happens when there's just so much baseball going on, trying to keep up with the news. But Aaron Ashby is going to undergo uh, undergo shoulder surgery today. <clears throat> Craig Council told uh, reporters that he'll be sidelined until late in the 2023 season, best-case scenario. He's, a, again, 12% uh, rostered in Yahoo leagues. He has to be dropped wherever you have him at this point. There, there's no point in stashing him. He is super talented. Aaron Ashby... When he is healthy, if he is able to ever be healthy for a whole season, and of course, shoulder surgery now we'll have to see because that can sometimes just throw you off entirely. He's only 24, so I don't think it'll ruin him or anything like that. But we'll have to see how he comes back from this uh, if he is as good as he has been in the past because even though the results have not really been there for him, his career ERA is about a 4-5. Uh, the FIP is more than a half run lower. The strikeout rates have always been good. Control has been a problem for him with the walk rates being a little bit higher than they should be. Uh, but the talent is there with Aaron Ashby. It's very unfortunate that we're not going to get to see him maybe at all this year. Maybe we see him back at the end of the year if, he, if they're able to make the playoffs. Maybe he's able to sneak in there. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. But maybe he's back at the end of the season. Regardless, though, Aaron Ashby is somebody that you have to be shedding from your lineups at this point. It sucks, but that's just the, the way the cookie crumbles. Omar Narvaez went on the IL for the Mets. Uh, he is going to miss, I'm not sure how long exactly he's expected to miss. It's only a 10-day stint on the IL. Maybe it'll be a little bit longer. Maybe it won't be as long. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, oh, you know what? Sorry. This is, actually, I just noticed this right now. Uh, they said earlier that he was going to be on the IL, and I didn't even see this. Uh, eight to nine weeks. Wow. Okay. It was only a 10-day IL, which is, I guess, why I was a little bit... Um, a little bit confused there. I didn't even see that, that they had announced he would be out for that long. Uh, very interesting. But the big piece of news here is not really Omar Narvaez. He was only 1% rostered. He started off not too badly this year, 4 of 14, a couple RBIs. He's obviously not somebody you should be holding on to. The guy that is of interest here is Francisco Alvarez. He is interesting. He's not going to start the year with catcher eligibility. I don't think in any format. Uh, I think he's just utility only. I have him in an NFBC league and in a Yahoo league. He's utility only there. Uh, he is not in the starting lineup today, but he is going to likely get a lot of reps here considering they called him up. I don't think they'd call him up just to have him sit. I, I mean, maybe he's not going to play every single day, but I think Francisco Alvarez is going to play a, a solid amount. Now he'll get catcher eligibility pretty soon. He only needs five games in Yahoo leagues. I think it's five in most formats, except for the NFBC, where you need to play 10 games. But even there, we shouldn't have to wait too long. I punted catcher in one league, uh, in a two-catcher league, and I ended up with Grandall, and I think Bo Naylor was my second catcher, just kind of hoping hoping that he'd make the Indian, or excuse me, the Guardians, and he didn't. And I drafted Alvarez as kind of like a, another guy kind of hoping for the best. And it looks like we're going to see probably a good amount of playing time from him here. Now, in terms of what we can actually expect from Alvarez, he's shown very solid power numbers at all levels of the minor leagues. 2021 and high A, it was 22 homers in 84 games. 
last year in double A, 18 homers in 67 games, and then in triple A, nine homers in 45 games. He did play five major league games last year. He hit a home run. He batted 167. It wasn't, you know, it's only five games. Not much you can really read into it. Uh, so far this year at triple A, though, four games, two homers, a stolen base. He's batting 250, 15% walk rate. He has striking out way too much so far this year in triple A. Uh, in 16 at bats, he has eight strikeouts, but that's, you know, it's always kind of been a little bit a part of his game striking out. Not to this degree, but you're probably going to see him have like a 25 to 30% strike rate. He's not going to be somebody who has a low strikeout rate. He'll have a pretty high walk rate, which should give you a good on-base percentage. He's always been a good on-base guy. There's a little bit of speed there considering he's a catcher. You can maybe bank on like five steals, maybe five, six steals out of him. That might be pushing it a little bit, but if he plays 100-plus games, I think we could see, you know, about five steals. Home run total is probably going to be maybe maybe 15. I think between 10 and 15 home runs. Um, and, you know, the runs in RBI should be pretty plentiful in that lineup. I'm not sure where they plan on batting him. Likely start closer to the bottom of the order as is typical for a prospect who gets recalled. But with performance, you know, uh, the usual things you'll hear. With performance, he could move up in the order. Um, I'm not sure exactly what their plan is. Probably going to be eighth or ninth. But I think there's decent power potential with a couple of steals. He'll have an okay batting average. I don't think that he is really somebody that you need to worry about in your 12-team leagues. If you're playing on Yahoo, 10, 12-team leagues, ESPN, CBS, wherever, uh, in those kind of formats and that kind of league size, I don't think he's really going to cut it, especially because most of those leagues are one-catcher. Two-catcher league, different story. Once he gets that eligibility, then he will be worth it in a two-catcher league. But in a 15-team two-catcher league, in a, like a 10-team two-catcher league, 12-team two-catcher league, he's maybe on the cusp, but he is more so for like NFBC 15-teamers. Uh, he's 30% rostered in Yahoo. feels a little bit high. You know, his pedigree is good, but it's mostly from a power point of view. Kind of have to hope for decent counting stats, which will probably be all right, but I don't think he'll be batting in a, in a primo spot in that lineup, so it won't be crazy. The steals are kind of nice. There'll be a couple of them, but it won't be cr- – like I don't know that there's – such a huge need to go and add him uh, up right now. In a two-catcher league, 15-team league, yes. Uh, but a lot of you guys, 10 and 12-teamers, Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, Fantrax, I don't know that he's really going to be doing it for you there in those standard size leagues. That's pretty much the news and notes, though. Uh, apologies there. I didn't realize that they had actually said Narvaez was going to be out for that long. I saw 10-day IL, I assumed, you know, a couple weeks. I didn't realize uh, two months. So Alvarez will likely get a majority of the playing time, at least, a, you know, at least an even split with Nido. Uh, But I think I wouldn't be adding him up just yet. If he comes up and he's setting the world on fire, then potentially yes. Uh, but as it goes right now, I think I'm holding off at this point. 30% rostered already feels a little bit like wishful thinking and hopeful uh, prognosticizing, or not prognosticizing, hopeful um, hypothesizing for what uh, Alvarez can possibly do this year. And I think it could be good, uh, but I think we got to kind of keep our expectations in check just a little bit. <clears throat> but let's talk about some of today's game so far and talk about some of the performances we've seen. Clark Schmidt, not good, not good so far uh, from what we've seen this season. He got roughed up today, and I it wasn't like awful, but it's not great either. Uh, let me just pull it up here. It was four earned runs, three strikeouts in three and a third. He also walked three batters. He got a lot of hype closer to the end of draft season. He really did, and I didn't really understand it. You know, there were some nice things we saw in spring training. He looked all right. Uh, you know, he's looked all right in the past here and there, but I think we pushed him up way too much considering – 
And I know obviously at this point, you know, he hasn't looked good. So it's like, of course, you're going to say that. But I believe I said it before the season, too, that Clark Schmidt was just kind of somebody that we were inflating because of, you know, a couple of good spring outings and maybe the Velo was up a little bit. But I don't know. We were at, we were treating him like he was a lot better than he probably was. He was good last year in 29 games, three starts. He had a 312 ERA, uh, good supporting numbers. But I thought we were overrating him a little bit. At this point, I don't think there's any need to be holding on to Clark Schmidt in your 10, 12-team leagues. He's 43% rostered on Yahoo. I don't know that there's that much upside really there. Like strikeouts, potentially, yeah. He's shown it at times in the minor leagues that he can be a good strikeout guy. The walk rate has always been a little bit problematic. I don't know that he's really going to cut it. I think he's maybe somewhere where you could stream him in. Uh, but he has not done so well so far against two teams that you would hope he would do well against. San Francisco, not the greatest offense. Baltimore, underrated offense, but still not the greatest. The fact that he couldn't handle either of these teams is pretty concerning for me. He is not really somebody that I'd want to be holding on to in your 10 and 12 team leagues. I just think there's not enough upside there. I'd rather be grabbing somebody who is, you know, coming up and do it. I'd rather be grabbing like a Tyler McGill, who we're going to talk about later. Somebody who is performing very well to start the season, as opposed to Clark Schmidt, who is... I think a lot of the reason he's in the rotation is because of the injuries that have happened. I don't know if he's necessarily earned it, um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he will turn it around to this point. It has not looked good, and I'm not really expecting such a turnaround. Maybe we'll see him you know, volume his way to some success because of the Yankees' injuries, but I, I don't think there's much need to be holding on to him in your 10 and 12-team leagues. Aaron Savali, on the other hand, uh, I, I'm liking Aaron Savali a lot. You know, our friend Ryan Bloomfield from Baseball HQ, he was touting up Savali quite a bit in the offseason. His first start of the year, seven innings. He got the victory, only three strikeouts, uh, but it was shutout ball that he pitched. Now, it wasn't as good today. For sure, it wasn't as good today. He allowed four earned runs over five and two-thirds. I think it was uh, he allowed three, and then he left a runner on base, and then... Um, Nick Sandlin came in and allowed the, the fourth guy to come around. It's, it's still charges of Savali. It's still his runs. But five strikeouts over five and two-thirds, one walk. I, I think that Aaron Savali is somebody where, at the very least, he'll have streaming value this season. And I think in 12-team leagues, he's probably worth taking a shot on. He is not somebody. Let me just double-check the roster percentage. 41. It's really not that high. Considering, you know, he's coming from an organization that is very good at developing pitching. He didn't have a great surface year last year, 492 ERA, but the advanced metrics were a lot better. He's got good control. Strikeouts are going to be fairly average, but, uh, you know, I like the overall profile of Aaron Savali. I think at this point, he's probably somebody where you can be rostering him as a back-end guy in a 12-team league. That is where I currently stand on him. He's not a must-roster. But I like what we've seen from him a lot uh, so far this season. Sonny Gray, very puzzling. Uh, he was the last pick in one of my home leagues in the 10-teamer, and I was really debating sitting him today. Um, you know, against Houston, we're getting later into the week. I thought, you know, my, my ratio categories were already pretty much in the bag. Uh, but I said, you know what, let's go for it. Let's go start Sonny Gray. Uh, started him last week. He did well. He got the victory against Kansas City. Shut out ball over five innings and one strikeout. Today, against Houston at home, seven innings, 13 strikeouts, one earned run over seven innings. Now, this game is still going on. I want to take a look and see. I'm, I'm hoping that they've taken him out of the game at this point because I don't want him to be pushed. Yeah, they have taken him out of the game. But seven innings of one run ball against Houston. He threw 98 pitches, 61 of them were strikes. 
very, very good early returns from Sonny Gray. He is somebody where I think he should be rostered in all formats, 68% on Yahoo. If he's cutting it in a 10-team league, then uh, I, I, I'm willing to take him pretty much anywhere at this point. He's probably not an eight-team guy, but 10 teams and deeper, uh, he, he is very interesting. Now, he's also very puzzling, but I, I think I think he's worth it, right? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of struggling because we don't know exactly what we're going to see strikeout-wise. It's, it's going to be fairly average, um, but I think the early returns lead me to believe that even if it doesn't stick to this degree, Sonny Gray can give you a quality season based on the fact that he's always been a fairly quality pitcher. Like, I know there's been some ups and downs in his career, but he's always been pretty good. Uh, you know, a couple of years here and there where it's not been as great, but for the most part, we're talking about a guy with a career 3.55 ERA. Strikeouts are about average, walk rate about average, but you know what? I think on this team, I think that he is worth a spot on rosters, 10 teams and deeper, 68% rostered. He's already mostly taken up, but just take a look and see. Uh, he is somebody where I think that there will be enough value where he should be rostered in all formats this season. Let's talk about Lucas Giolito, who absolutely shit his pants today against the Pirates too, which is just not at all what you want to see out of Lucas Giolito. We're hoping for the bounce back this year. Everybody was hoping for the bounce back this year. He looked all right in his first start, um, which was, who was it against? Oh, it was Houston, wasn't it? It was Houston. Five innings, five hits, two earned runs, six strikeouts. Looked very promising. Today against the Pirates, four innings, 12 hits, seven earned runs, two balls left the yard, and he struck out three batters. Not walking, guys, which is good. He's only got one walk through nine innings to go along with nine strikeouts, but 10 earned runs, that sucks, especially against Pittsburgh. It's rather disheartening, but at the same time, what are you going to do about it? You can't really try and trade him. You're not going to drop him. You just kind of have to sit there and hope that he is able to correct it. Whatever it was uh, with Lucas Giolito last year, I don't know if he's fully shaken it. It looks like maybe he hasn't. But I wouldn't be selling them yet. It's way too early in the year to be selling anybody. It's not too early in the year to be buying. You know, if somebody's willing to trade somebody because, you know, Corbin Burns isn't doing well, I'll trade you Corbin Burns for, you know, sack of baseballs. Of course, you're going to do it. I think it's too early in the year to be the seller on those sides and get rid of somebody like a Giolito who has struggled a little bit because we know what he is capable of. And it's probably going to be a lot better than this. It's a bad outing against the Pirates. It doesn't inspire confidence, but I don't know that it's necessarily going to be indicative of what he does the rest of the season. So give him some time. Give him some time to get right. Uh, you know, you might want to sit him. Let me just double check who their matchup is next week or uh, who he's lined up to face next week. One, two, three. I think it's against the Twins. Uh, depending on how they use it, it'll how they use their rotation, it'll be the Twins, potentially the Orioles. If they give him an extra, an extra breather, maybe they go for a bullpen day or something. Probably not. I think it'll be against the Twins. I'd start him there. Uh, you know, if it's all lined up the way I think it will, probably Wednesday afternoon getaway game against Minnesota. Maybe they push him to Friday against the Orioles. Either way, I'm starting him next time out, hoping for better, and I'm not selling him, not dropping him, not doing anything with Lucas Giolito at this point. Tyler McGill has looked really good, and I know it's come against the Marlins. It's come against the Marlins twice, but it's a lot better than if it, you know, if he hadn't looked good against the Marlins or anybody. Uh, Tyler McGill, we know the skills are there. We have seen it. It's just a, really a matter of health. Uh, so far this year, though, he's thrown 11 innings, again, all against the Marlins, two earned runs. He's walked four batters and struck out 10. Now, the control has been a bit of a problem. And going back to the spring, 
Four walks in 11 innings is not great, but it's also not the end of the world considering he's only given up two earned runs and struck out 10. I think that he is somebody who needs to be on rosters. I think that he is somebody where he's probably still a little bit underrated in all honesty. I, I've watched him a lot. He's become one of my one of my guys over the years, and he really does look like Jacob Degrom when he is pitching. Uh, I know it's you know teammate of Jacob Degrom. They play it together. He looks like him. He he looks. And he's not that good. I don't think. Don't misconstrue here. I'm not saying he is as good as Degrom. You can compare him one for one or anything even close to that. But I think you pick up on a couple things working under a guy like Degrom, and this is of course not the most analytical uh, piece of advice I'm going to give. But I think when you when you work under a guy like Degrom, you see his tendencies, and he's also kind of patterned his delivery after him a little bit. The results have been pretty okay so far. I know they've come against the Marlins. He gets more of a test next week if they are going to go the way I believe they're going to go with the rotation. The Mets' rotation has been totally in flux. I have not really much certainty in how it's going to go, but. He'll either get the Padres or he'll get the Athletics. Uh, either way, I'm going to start him based on the, what we've seen these first two times out. I'd be more comfortable doing it against the Athletics in Oakland, of course, as opposed to versus the Padres uh, in New York. But either way, I'm going to start him. He has given me that confidence, again, that I had lost. He's got starting pitcher and relief pitcher eligibility, which is not the biggest thing. But in Yahoo, it's kind of nice to be able to slot him in wherever. 28% rostered right now. I think that number should be a lot higher. I don't know if he's going to fully break out, uh, but I'm definitely very invested in Tyler McGill. I, I like him a lot. Uh, somebody else I'm very invested in, he was on the other side of this pitching matchup today, and it absolutely was brutal. I watched a little bit after the fact uh, replays of his outing. Holy shit. Edward Cabrera, two and two-thirds, no hit ball. Seven walks, seven walks in two and two thirds. He allowed two earned runs, struck out four. This is this is brutal. This is brutal. He is one of my guys. He is somebody that I drafted in I think more leagues than any other league than any other player. And he has now pitched six and two thirds. He has walked thirteen batters. If there's anything I can say that might be like a silver lining here, it's that both of these outings have been against the Mets. He has not had you know a reasonable schedule to start the year. It's it's kind of sucked. A complete reverse of what Tyler McGill has seen to start the year. I am not quite at the point of dropping him. I have him in a lot of leagues. I'm not dropping him anywhere yet. I want to see him get the control under control because this is pretty much the only real problem and the only thing preventing Edward Cabrera from properly breaking out is the fact that he can't really locate his pitches the way he'd like to. My preseason bold prediction for him was that he would have a 30-plus strikeout percentage a 10-plus walk percentage, and that he would end up with Cy Young votes a la Dylan Cease of last year. Well, he's certainly going to have a 10-plus walk rate if he keeps this going. And actually, at this point, it is reversed, like 30-plus walk percentage, 10-plus uh, strikeout percentage. It's, it's been rough. Don't get me wrong. But the opponents have not been good. They've been well, not good pitch, not good matchups, I should say. They've been very good teams, uh, but it's been the Mets, right? Uh, it's a good team. And that obviously shouldn't dictate your control, but I'm more willing to give him a pass because of the fact that he's facing a tougher team. Now, he's killing your whip. He's been killing your ERA. But I think we just have to hold on to Edward Cabrera and hope that he is able to figure out the control. Now, there's only so far I'm willing to go with this exactly. You know, he, Next time up, I think he's facing the Phillies, potentially the Diamondbacks. Again, I don't want to say exactly he's pitching this day for sure because teams will sometimes change things around. They'll sometimes use an opener. They'll sometimes have a bullpen day. Sometimes somebody will get hurt. Somebody will get called up. There are so many variables that I don't want to say for sure, but he is lined up right now, it looks like, to face the Phillies in Philadelphia. Again, not a great matchup. If he's not able to do well there, I'd understand dropping him. I still wouldn't do it, though. 
Like I want to give him, I want to give everybody pretty much five starts. Some things you see right away, Spencer Turnbull can't miss bats. Drop. Okay. Clark Schmidt does not look that great so far. Drop. And it's not because of, it really varies case by case. But Clark Schmidt, you know, the strikeouts, maybe he can get to them at some point. But he has looked brutal uh, through two starts. And Edward Cabrera has as well. But Edward Cabrera has a lot of prospect pedigree. He's coming from a place where he's supposed to be a star. And maybe he doesn't get to stardom this year. uh, But I think it'll get a lot better than what we have seen so far. It has to, right? He's walking an exorbitant amount of batters. I don't think it'll stick to this degree. Whereas a guy with like Schmidt, even though the team context is better, I don't really trust him. I, I think that we just kind of artificially thought that Clark Schmidt was going to be amazing because it was kind of groupthink. Everybody was kind of saying it. Pitching for the Yankees, you know, next new shiny toy for the Yankees. But he's gotten roughed up by two very subpar teams uh, to this point. Edward Cabrera. You know, it's pretty much just the control. If he get if he gets the control down, then he'd be an elite pitcher. And I would I'm going to my grave saying that without Edward Cabrera. If he is able to locate his pitches and actually throw them for strikes, then he is capable of being a guy who gets Cy Young votes. I didn't make that bold prediction just you know for clicks. That's not what I do. It was because I actually believe it. I think he can beat this year's Dylan Cease. It might take him a few more starts than we might have hoped, but give him a little bit of time. The opponents have sucked. Give him a couple more starts. That's what I'm saying for Edward Cabrera. Do not panic drop him just yet. I, I totally understand if you want to. And some people in this very shallow eight-team league, maybe even a 10-team league, you might say, I can't do it anymore. Okay, I'm not going to fight you on it. But I think there is a much better road here uh, that we can see still from Edward Cabrera. One more guy we'll talk about from today's action, Marcus Stroman. Good old Marcus Stroman. Mr. Likes to pick a fight with everybody online. I used to really like Marcus Stroman. He's kind of hard to cheer for as a person because he's just kind of annoying. Uh, I don't know if you guys are on Twitter that much. Some of you maybe are. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you may have no idea. Marcus Stroman is kind of an annoying dude. But aside from all that, he's had a very good start to this season against Milwaukee and Texas. A couple of shutout outings over six innings, eight strikeouts and six strikeouts, giving you really good performances. Now, I am... I'm not really a Stroman guy, even outside of the whole personality defects that I think are probably there with Marcus Stroman. I don't think he is a great fantasy asset. He doesn't strike out a lot of batters. He's just, I don't know, he, he's kind of gotten by over the years. Um, but I think he's honestly very overrated. I, I think, And from a real-life point of view, he's a lot better. I'll give him that. But from a fantasy point of view, pitching for the Cubs... Getting strikeouts at like a 20% rate. I mean, the strikeouts have been there this year to start the year. 12 innings, 14 strikeouts. Is that a long-term thing with him? We've seen throughout his career that it's not. Bad team context will limit victories. 25 starts last year for the same Cubs team. Might be a bit better this year. But he won six games. He's won two of his first two starts here. He's won both of them. That's very good. My advice with Marcus Stroman is to sell, is to try and sell. And now, it's uh, I maybe misspoke earlier when I said it's too soon to sell. It's too soon to sell low. Uh, if you're trying to sell high on somebody like Marcus Stroman, I would be doing it based on what he's done these first couple of starts. It's not going to sustain. The strikeout rate will not sustain. He will not be winning every single game that he faces, and he will not be mowing down batters the way that he has against fairly decent lineups. Not awful lineups, not great lineups, but Milwaukee and Texas are serviceable lineups. He has not... Uh, he's not going to do that long-term. 
striking out six over six, eight over eight shutout ball. If I'm wrong, then I'll happily eat my words, but I just don't think that Marcus Stroman is that great of a fantasy asset, especially considering the team that he plays for. So when he was in Toronto, you know, getting good, solid victory numbers a couple times, eh, even then 13 wins was the most he topped out at. Never somebody that I think has been the greatest fantasy asset. He's like a back-end option in 12-team leagues, maybe even 10-team leagues, maybe. But I think that he's very borderline, and I would be trying to sell because he has looked way better than he is going to look uh, throughout the rest of the season. Of that, I am I am almost 100% sure. So try and see if you can sell him, see what kind of offers uh, are out there, if there are any to be made for Marcus Stroman, or to to make to get rid of Marcus Stroman, I should say. Let's talk about some weekend streamers. I've highlighted four that I think can be pretty viable for this weekend. It's a pretty bare. Uh, these guys are, eh, they're not, I don't feel the strongest. I think for the most part this time of year, it's better to just throw your guys out. Sometimes you're you're pressed, especially in head-to-head leagues. Roto, I don't think, you know, daily changes Roto. There's no real need to be streaming these guys. Daily changes head-to-head, a different story. Let's start it off with Ross Stripling. Now, he didn't have the greatest start of the year. Uh, his first outing of the season, but he gets Kansas City uh, at home here. I like I like Ross Stripling a lot. I liked him a lot coming into the season, and even though it wasn't the greatest start against the year, it was the Yankees' fairly tough opponent in New York. I'm willing to give him a pass because he is going into Kansas City and facing a much worse, or excuse me, going back home uh, to face a much worse Kansas City team in a much more pitcher-friendly ballpark there. Uh, I'm I'm not, like advocating but I, I think that there's of all the guys that are available Ross Stripling is probably the one that I would trust the most this weekend of the four guys I'm going to talk about good control not going to blow you away with strikeouts but there's a good chance he comes away with a victory here they'll probably let him go five six innings against Kansas and I think that there's a, a good chance we'll see a victory here on San Francisco's side considering that he is on the mound now on the other side of this matchup he's not going up against a scrub it's Brady Singer but I'm fairly confident that San Francisco can still pull this one away uh, at home. I'm not confident to the point, like I'm not uh, a better, I'm not really a gambler. I'll throw you know, a few bucks on a parlay here and there. I wouldn't say that I'd you know, bet on the game. San Francisco is favored. They are fa- like minus 135 for this game. I think they're likely going to win, um, but it's I'm, I'm going for Stripling because I think the ratios will be fairly low. I think he'll get a couple strikeouts. The win would be a, a cherry on top. It's hard to really aim for a win necessarily unless you're streaming like a Houston pitcher against the Athletics. Okay, then you can kind of bank on a win most of the time. I'm banking on the good ratios, a couple of Ks, and hopefully I luck myself into a victory here uh, with Ross Stripling. That's tomorrow against Kansas City. The other guy I'm highlighting for Saturday is Martin Perez. Now, I came into the year very down on Martin Perez. I thought last year was... Kind of just a flash in the pan. We weren't going to see it repeat. But he started off the year with seven strikeout uh, victory over five and two-thirds against Philadelphia. Now he gets the Cubs. And the Cubs are not a great offense by any means. I think that Martin Perez, despite not being a big fireballer, I think that he can locate his pitches against a team like the Cubs pretty well. I think that he's somebody where if you look at all the options this weekend, you could even make the argument that he is somebody that you should go for over Stripling. I think they're pretty close. Uh, Perez is 54% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Stripling is 52. So it's fairly close there between who will be available for you. I'd, I'd lean probably Stripling, but I could see the argument to go for Perez as well. I don't think either is going to blow you away with strikeouts. I think it's more ratio plays where you might luck yourself into a strikeout per inning kind of thing with either one of those guys. But for Saturday, it is Ross Stripling and it is uh, Martin Perez. On Sunday, you say Kikuchi. 
my guy, you say, had a very good debut this season against Kansas City. Five innings, got the victory. Only two Ks, but he allowed just one run. Looked very sharp. Now he gets the Angels in Anaheim. It's a more tricky matchup for sure, but I do trust him. Uh, you know, I, I trust what we saw in spring training, and it's I, – I, you know, like pinch myself as I say it, but I do trust Yusei Kikuchi at this point after what we saw in that first outing. It could go very wrong against that Angels team. They are potent. They are a very potent offense, but I think when you're looking at the options, it's not like these, none of these guys are like you have to grab them. They're must stream kind of guys. These are more if you're looking for specific things. And you say, despite not having a lot of strikeouts in that first outing, that's kind of what I'm hoping for here. Good strikeout total, potential for a victory on the road for the Blue Jays. And I'm hoping for, you know, maybe two, three earned runs over five. This is not something where I think it's a lock. You have to take them. You have to bet them. But if you're looking for streamers this weekend, I think Kikuchi is probably your best bet if you're just straight up looking for strikeouts. The last guy that I'm going to highlight here, and it was not very pretty for him uh, in the first start of the year, Cutter Crawford. Cutter Crawford is going into Comerica. He will face Detroit. And, yes, I know first start of the year against Pittsburgh, four innings, seven earned runs, three homers. He did strike out six over four innings, which is what I'm taking away from that start. He gets another favorable matchup here in a good ballpark. And now I saw some people talking on Twitter about how Detroit and Comerica is no longer a pitcher's park. It might not be a pitcher's park per se, but it is still a closer to being a pitcher's park than a hitter's park here. You're still looking at, despite the dimensions being a little more moved in, uh, you're still going to have a lot of balls die in the outfield that would, in other parks, leave the yard. I think Cutter Crawford is, uh, you know, again, more on the strikeout side, hoping for a victory. And a victory is fairly likely here against Detroit for Boston. Uh, I think that all, all around, he is a pretty pretty solid uh, streamer here. Should be able to give you good strikeouts, hopefully good ratios against the Detroit team that is not very strong offensively. And I'm hoping we get ourselves a win. With all four of these guys, you're hoping for a win. They got good matchups. Kikuchi probably the hardest there against the Angels. But I think that there is, you know, like I said, you're looking for different things with these guys. Stripling and Perez, more so to try and keep your ratios down while giving you a couple Ks. Kikuchi and Crawford on Sunday are more of the strikeout plays that you'd be looking to kind of win uh, win your strikeouts for the week. You're hoping for a victory, and you're also, of course, hoping for low ratios. But I think even if you, even if they do give up a few runs like we saw with Cutter Crawford in the debut, you get to fall back on some strikeouts. And same with Kikuchi, despite the fact that we didn't see it in his first start of the year. Kikuchi's a 27, 28% K rate guy. He should be able to strike out a batter per inning. Guys, that's going to do it for me for today and for this week. Really appreciate all you guys hanging out. It means a lot. All the downloads, all the follows over on Twitter. We've gained a lot of followers on my account and Ethos Fantasy BB over the last week. Really means a lot. Please make sure you are checking us out at Ethos Fantasy BB for sure over on Twitter. And you guys can check out my account at J O E O R R I C O 99. And, of course, sportsethos.com where you get all of our content, basketball winding down. Football, sooner or later, it's going to start ramping up again. We're already seeing tweets in the timeline regarding the NFL. We're going to have NFL. we got hockey also going on. And, of course, we got our flourishing uh, baseball division right here for you guys to check out, of course, Ethos Fantasy BB. I'm drilling it into your heads. I know I'm going to drive you guys crazy. Go check it out because that's where all of our work does get posted. These podcasts, the It's Gone podcast with our great friend Britton Allen, all the different articles that come out daily, some of them come out weekly. We got a ton of content that I hope you guys are checking out. But guys, until next week, we are going to have a fun guest. I will let you know who it is next week. We're still nailing down the details, and it potentially could spill into the week after. So we'll we'll see what how that works. But fun guest uh, should be on the docket for next week. Until then, though. 
Make sure you're subscribing. Hit that plus button in your podcast feed. Make sure you are getting these shows when they come out. Let us know what you think. If you're listening somewhere that allows ratings and reviews, we'd really like to know what you guys think of the podcast, whether good or bad. Let me know in the review section and over on Twitter uh, what you like, what you don't like, anything you'd like to see changed about the podcast. But that is plenty enough rambling out of me. You guys will see me back here on Monday. We'll talk two-star pitchers. We'll look over the weekend notes. But until then, guys, have a great night. Take care and cheers. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.